I've got a thought experiment for you this morning. What's something you willfully choose to do that the expectation is that you do it for life? So you choose to do this thing, but you're expecting going into it, you're going to do it for life. I'll give you a moment to think about your answer, and I'll come back with more coming up next. Helping you grow deeper on your spiritual journey. Welcome to The Inner Life with Patrick Conley. Welcome to The Inner Life, taking you deeper on your spiritual journey with the help of our fantastic spiritual directors. I'm Patrick Conley. Well, did you come up with something? Something you choose to do that you do for life? I don't know, quite frankly, that there are a lot of answers to give, and I think that the number of potential answers is dropping. I mean, think about it. In our larger society, very few things carry the staying power that they once had. Going into a career, yeah, that used to be something you did for life. But today, people change careers. They change jobs. How about buying a home? People remain settled more in the past. But today, no, they, uh, people change residences. Political affiliations even change. And even religions In consumer terms, brand loyalty is all but a thing of the past. In this day and age, almost everything is disposable or changeable. Now, as Catholics, of course, at least three things could have come to mind. The priesthood being one, you do that for life, the religious life, and marriage. In fact, of course, these are known as state-in-life vocations or callings. But I think the very fact that we don't often stick to things our whole lives through in other areas makes sticking to it in our state of life tougher. The consumer mentality just wants to creep in. In marriage, we have heard about things like the trophy wife or the seven-year itch and other ways that we are tempted to regard marriage as about me and about my desires. In an effort to combat this consumer mentality and help you make today's relationship with your husband or wife even better than yesterday's, we're sharing some of the secrets to a good marriage here on the show today. I'd be very interested in your phone calls and advice on making and keeping a marriage strong. Guiding our conversation and sharing some thoughts of his own on the topic is our spiritual director, Father Chris Walsh, who's the pastor of St. Cecilia Church in Philadelphia. Father, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much, Patrick. Great joy to be with you. Uh, A beautiful day here in Philadelphia, and I hope all of our listeners are having a beautiful day after the crazy storms that hit the East Coast and other parts of the country. Yeah, seriously. Well, always something good to hope for. Yeah. Father, let's start off with something we've touched on before, but it's it's always worth returning to. What are the ingredients in, in your experience that make a good marriage? Yeah. So, of course, I'm not married, have never been married, and probably (laughs) will never be married. There you go. Um, And yet I spend a great deal of time with married people, um, either together, you know, in social situations. Uh, I had a book club this morning with a number of married people. I heard confessions this morning with married people. So uh, although I'm not married, I I not only know uh, the challenges of married life, but also the joys. And I was blessed to have parents who, at the time of the their, their deaths were, were, were married, you know, 55 plus years. Um, I, I think first off, again, it's a, it's a Catholic program where we're talking about from a faith perspective. And so certainly faith in God, I think it begins there, um, that the person has discerned that A, they are called to marriage in a, in a general way, but then B, called to marriage in a specific way to this person. 
and that they're approaching their marriage with that conviction. Maybe they didn't have it when they got married, right? That happens sometimes. People marry for all sorts of reasons. But at least at this point, for a, for a healthy, good marriage, you know that this is where God wants you to be. And with that faith commitment also comes the belief that God's grace is going to make it possible, right? To think that you're called to marry one person for the rest of your life, especially for our young people, is unthinkable. As you said, mm -hmm. we, we make lifetime commitments to almost nothing. But if we believe as people of faith that all things are possible, well, well, well then we have that commitment. I think with that, really any of the Catholic virtues, right? Humility, right? To realize how difficult it is, to realize that you're not always right. Um, to, 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 to realize that, that your, your spouse is a necessary partner. I think the grace of empathy, to feel the suffering and the pain of another, certainly the commitment to charity, the willingness to forgive, and a desire to serve. I mean, they're the ones that come to mind as I think of my own parents' marriage and so many of the wonderful uh, married couples that I'm blessed to be with, but also aware of the challenges that I hear each and every day. Well, and that's something, too, that I think as we're talking about this, we want to go in. I think it's obvious, it certainly should be obvious to anybody who's been married even for a short amount of time, that um, what we're not about here on the show today is we're not uh, trying to make people's marriages into something that never experiences challenges ever again, um, right? Because challenges are going to come. There's going to be plenty of them. But how to navigate those challenges well and to uh, to navigate actually the joys of marriage as well too because we can uh, we can actually take those for granted sometimes and not be not cultivate gratitude and that sort of thing in our marriage so um so it is something maybe just reflect a little bit father on those those challenges that come and how how do we how do we engage those as husband and wife when challenges come into our lives yeah i mean i think everyone has to figure that out certainly um in their own unique style. I, I would say first off, um, to at least acknowledge that the challenge is there. Um, one of the things that continues to shock me, not just about uh, folks in marriage, but, but my brother priests and religious and people living a single life, our tolerance for putting up with difficulties much longer than is healthy. Um, often with married people, when they sit down, they eventually call me and say, I want to sit down and talk, and maybe their spouse is with them, maybe not. And I'll say, well, how long has this been going on? Four years, six years, seven yeah. years. It's yeah. like, oh, okay. Um, and so I think to to be in a place where you can say, yeah, this is not normal. One of the things I talk with, with, with engaged couples as we're preparing for the sacrament of marriage is I talk about you know, at, at this point, early on in their relationship, during their year of engagement, things are probably, you know, not at their best, but you're establishing what you would call a baseline, right? And and so you you know how when someone's at their best, they're they're communicating, how they're expressing um, affection, how they're uh, the way they're drinking, the way they deal with problems, you know, how often they get angry. Well, if that starts to change you know, it, it's worth noting and it's worth talking about. And it's, you know, sometimes worth asking someone else to come in. So I think like in anything to have the humility to say, I, I think we have a problem. Yeah. Well, then that's humility is a tall order as always. And we're finding, I think here on the inner life that many of our topics actually move us toward humility. We're talking today with our spiritual director, Father Chris Walsh, pastor of St. Cecilia Church in Philadelphia. And we are talking today about secrets to a good marriage. Do you have 
some secrets that you would like to share, let's make them not so secret, shall we? Give us a call. Join the conversation. Give us your advice. What has made your marriage strong? What have you? What are things that you have incorporated into your marriage to help make them strong, help them to be good marriages, come what may, whether challenges or joys come? Our phone number here at The Inner Life is 888-914-9149, 914 also, you can send us an email, innerlife at relevantradio.com. Well, Father, one of the things that I know that uh, will always come up, and uh, as you're talking about relationships in general, but specifically, of course, marriage relationships, is communication. Communication is essential, and uh, yeah, uh, focus on good communication. So maybe share some practical ways that couples, um, whether they're preparing for marriage or whether they're already deep into marriage, how can they become good and better communicators? Great question, because as we know, without that, everything else is going to fail. I think first off, understanding how you like to communicate. And this is something that all good marriage preparation programs will will, will focus on. Um, introverts have one way of communicating. Extroverts have another way of communicating. Um, some of us prefer to talk in the morning. Some of us prefer to talk at night. Some of us need time uh, to think and, and, and we make decisions much slower. Um, others, others do it uh, in, in a rather rapid pace. What I often urge couples is, you know, use the skills that you've learned at your place of work and apply them to your marriage. I'm not sure what happens when people drive home from work, but they seem to forget all of the wonderful skills <laughs> yeah. that they develop. That at work, they're great communicators. At work, they take time. At work, they make sure that you know the vision has been cast. And at work, they give time to their coworkers to, to process things. And then we go home and boom, we're a different person. And so I think figure out your communication style and then seek to understand your spouse's communication style. Don't answer for them, right? Uh, again, some of us, I'm, I'm an extrovert. Um, you know, I make very quick decisions, which are oftentimes not the best decisions. And so, you know, the people that I work with, the people that I'm in friendships with, you know, I, I say to them all the time, you know, look, look, I, I, I'm going to do this fast, but I need to give you time. So if I'm rushing you, let me know. Right. If you need more time, let me know. I think it's a great act of charity on our part when we can do that, uh, you know, for other people. And then also, I think we have to have a plan to talk. Right. It's very common in not just in Catholic circles or, or, or faith based circles, uh, but in any sort of conversation around healthy marriages, the idea of a date night. Well, the date yeah. night doesn't just mean you're going to nice, nice dinner and a movie or, or dance you know, or some activity. Maybe the date night is, is when you. You, know, you, you, you put the kids to bed early or, or someone goes and watches them and you guys go sit and have an ice cream cone in the park and you talk and, 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 and there's all sorts of resources out there, but to allow you to say, hey, I feel like this is going on. Do you, do you sense that or is it just me or this is going on in my life right now? I, I think you can help me. I often joke with married couples that, you know, I don't see either of them having a crystal ball. Uh, that, that, that neither of them have the ability to tell the future, neither of them have the ability to read minds, that I only know what my spouse is thinking if my spouse tells me. Yeah, yeah, very good. And one of the things, Father, is I, as you're talking about that, and especially as you were talking about coming home from work and uh, maybe just taking things for granted, not engaging in the way that you would at work with others and communication and that sort of thing, 
Um, intentionality is obviously pretty close here. I don't know. Maybe this is a maybe this is more particularly a guy thing. But uh, speaking from my own perspective, I know there is that temptation that when I'm when I'm getting home from work, that there is well now I can let my guard down. I just got, I just want to relax. And intentionality can kind of slip out the sides, you know. And I'm not I'm not reminding myself that wait I need to be intentional. I need to be quote unquote on uh, even when I come home. Thoughts about that? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Intentionality, <clears throat> excuse me, with everything, because like this person is the person you've made a lifetime commitment to. Right. Your boss has made a commitment to you for the next two weeks. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and, and so, yeah, what does this person deserve? They deserve your very best, even when you're tired, even when you feel stretched, even when you're dealing with a resentment. Uh, for, for, for you to be able to step back and say, um, you know, yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I need to slow down. I need to think. I, I need to think what's what's the best way for you. Like you don't like big surprises. You want me to tell you ahead of time with an email or a text that I want to talk about something. Um, right. and, and so to really honor the person in, in, in a deliberate way. And if we're not doing that, then we're open to the feedback from the person. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Good point. All right. Well, uh, again, if you have some tips or advice to share on making marriages better, that's what we're talking about today. Secrets of a Good Marriage here on The Inner Life with our spiritual director, Father Chris Walsh. 888-914-9149 is our phone number. 888-914-9149. Let's go to the phones. Joe is calling in from Hatfield, Pennsylvania. Joe, welcome to the show. Thank you, Patrick. Uh, Good morning. Good morning, Father Chris. I think the, um, the major thing is commitment as as we've been talking about as you've been talking about and communication and i and to understand that there will be those ebb and flows regardless next week i'll be married 50 years and um yeah it's not not always easy but we did have the commitment to make this thing work and it's worked praise god well thank you for that commitment and i know your wife is grateful for it as well and and the other people who are watching your marriage Right for young people who you know have very little commitment in their lives to hear the story. Wow, seventy, you know, fifty years. We're going to celebrate a couple there in our parish married seventy years uh, next month, and they said, "I said we have to do a blessing at mass." And the guy goes, "Oh, I don't want to bother people." I'm like, seventy years. Like these people need to see that this is possible, and that the two of you still like each other. But thank you for your witness. Yeah, thank you, Joe. I appreciate that. And uh, happy anniversary to you. That's amazing. Next week, uh, 50 years. Yeah, congratulations. And it is. It's inspiring. My wife and I are coming up on 24 years here, and it's always just inspiring to see people who have been married for much, much longer. And it does. It gives hope. It says, it, yeah, this is possible. It's not easy, but, uh, yeah, it is it is possible, right? Again, we're speaking about secrets to a good marriage. If you have some tips to give, even if you're even if you're just starting out in the marriage thing, and you heard something maybe in your in your uh, premarital counseling and the things that you were getting as you were preparing for marriage, your marriage prep that you want to share, give us a call triple eight nine one four nine one four nine eight 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 nine one four nine one four nine, and share them with myself and our spiritual director, Father Chris Walsh. Secrets of a Good Marriage is our topic here on The Inner Life. We're going to take our first short break here, but we'll be back with more of The Inner Life right after this. Stay with us. (music) 
Our sponsor, the University of Dallas, invites you to check out The Quest, a five-episode video series on discovering our purpose and living it with courage. Start watching The Quest for free at relevantradio.com slash quest. Love and marriage, love and marriage Go together like a horse and carriage This I tell you, brother You can't have one without the other Indeed, we are talking about the secrets of a good marriage here on The Inner Life today. Welcome back to the program. My name is Patrick Conley. Our spiritual director today is Father Chris Walsh, who is the pastor of St. Cecilia Church in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And we are talking about, as I said, secrets of a good marriage. If you have some advice you'd like to share on what makes marriages strong, 888-914-9149 is our phone number. Let's go to Mike, who is calling in in Philadelphia as well, I believe, with a question. Mike, welcome to The Inner Life. Thank you very much. Uh, Father, if two people, daughter is Catholic and son-in-law is Protestant, but neither one is practicing, how do you bring that together? Oh, Mike, if I had that, boy, I'd be writing the book, right? Um, you know, the scriptures are, are really uh, powerful in, in a line that they offer, which is, do not be unequally yoked. And, and one of the great challenges in the, in the Old Testament for the Jewish people was whenever they, you know, entered into intermarriages, right? Marriages with non-Jewish people. Why? Because it often led to their infidelity, right? Uh, couples marry thinking, well, I'm in love with this person. It doesn't matter. We can get through anything. Um, and, and yet the reality is that it often does produce conflict because there's different values, different approaches, different ways of seeing things. Um, you know, thankfully, your, your, your daughter and son-in-law are, are, are both Christian, at least in, in name. Um, it, it sounds like there needs to be an encouragement to faith in general, which is the larger topic of evangelization. Um, and, and I think in, in any case, it's, it's witnessing the power of faith in your marriage the power of prayer and the church community in your marriage and inviting them to consider that. Uh, I think more and more across the country, parishes are realizing that that's one of the ways to engage young families is to offer things that promote marriage and family life. Um, we sort of have to be very intentional about that and supporting couples. And, and, and it's certainly one of the things we're trying to do here in the, in the coming year at St. Cecilia's. And, and so, but I think first and foremost, it just starts with your own personal witness and, and sharing uh, with, with your daughter and, and maybe with your son-in-law and encouraging him to, to be the spiritual leader of the family. And maybe, Father, just a word of advice, too, to those who might be considering marriage, but uh, it is a, a, perhaps it leans toward that unequally yoked um, that that side of things, as we're talking about specifically their spiritual practices and spiritual beliefs, um, why is why is being yoked well, being equally yoked? Why is that so important in a marriage? Yeah, I, I think because of the fact that if, if faith is the most important thing in your life, and yet you don't share it with the person that you're committing to, it's going to produce lots of challenges. A friend of mine, when he was a chaplain at a, at a university. He used to do a presentation uh, once a year with a rabbi who was also in chaplaincy at the university. And the rabbi had this fascinating study where he said, uh, you know, the average, he had two uh, graphs. One was the, the age at which most people marry. And the other was age at which religion and religious observance is important. 
Well, the average age at which people marry is 27 at that point. It's probably a little higher now in the United States. Uh, but the other chart was, you know, we, we're increasingly interested in religion until about fourth grade. And then it begins a downward spiral, reaches a low point, and then starts to elevate uh, throughout our adulthood, peaking in our mid-60s. And it's kind of staying plateau at that point. What, of course, is the low point? 27. Huh. Wow. So, so at a point in which human yeah. beings are least interested, at least in America, least interested in religion is when we're making the decision. So at the time they marry, it's not important. But again, if, 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 if my walk with God is the most important thing in my life, how, how would I not want to share that? Yeah. Um, now, it doesn't mean that interfaith marriages and uh, ecumenical marriages between two Christians don't work. Often they work very beautifully. But I think if the folks in those marriages are honest, it's not without great challenges. Marriage mm -hmm. has enough challenges. Now, I know you can't control who you fall in love with, but it's something that really should be thought through and talked through a great deal. Yeah, wonderful. Let's go back to the phones now. John is calling in from Denver, Colorado. Good morning, John. Thank you for calling The Inner Life. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Of course. Yes, I, I wanted I wanted to uh, just say my, my wife and I just celebrated our 50th wedding anniversary. Um, that was uh, We have five children, and... Uh, I think one of the keys to our marriage has been that not only commitment, but mass in the sacraments, and then going ahead and, and um, being involved in different marriage ministries and uh, marriage enrichment programs. For instance, we attended a marriage encounter weekend that taught us a lot about communication. Uh, further on down the line, we became involved in the sponsor couple program, where we meet in our home with um, couples that are uh, you know, engaged and going to be married in the church. And then lastly, we've, we've been involved in uh, Teams of Our Lady, which I think is a well-kept secret of the Catholic Church, where you form a team of five to seven couples and you meet monthly. And uh, that, that helps you get perspective on, or at least we believe it helps us get perspective on our marriage and the issues that we're dealing with and recognizing that other people have similar issues and gaining support from them and, and just being able to interact with other Catholic couples uh, I think really is a, a key to a, maintaining your marriage over the long term. Yeah, John, congratulations and happy anniversary to you and your and your bride. Uh, and I can't agree more. All three of the the things you've you've mentioned. Uh, I'm aware of several couples involved with Teams of Our Lady, which I think comes out of the Philippines, but is certainly growing across the United States. Um, and, and that sense of fellowship and accountability. And the intentionality that you're going to, and people will say, I'm too busy, I'm too busy, I'm too busy. I know. What's the priority? What's the priority? We all only have so many hours in a day, but what's the priority? Thank you for making your marriage a priority. Yeah, thank you, John, and happy belated for me as well. I uh, hope you have celebrated well and continue to celebrate in this 51st year of marriage that you've got going on right now. Now, Father, we started the show. You said uh, you underscored faith as a as a really a foundational piece to making a, making of a good marriage that uh, there has to be, uh, there, there very well needs to be faith involved in our commitment um, as we're talking about building good marriages here on this Catholic program. Uh, and we've talked about uh, yoked and unequal yoked, and then John just talked about you know making the sacraments a, a foundational part. Let's talk a little bit about prayer. Um, 
What are ways that couples can embrace prayer in their marriage? And uh, if, especially if they're just starting out, maybe it feels a little awkward to say, hey, do you want to pray together on a regular basis? But uh, what, is, what is the importance of prayer and prayer specifically as a couple? Yeah, so 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 important, and um, this is something that I'm, I'm a priest 24 years now, and it, it's something in my marriage prep that is certainly evolving, um, where I'm, I'm no longer assuming the couples know how to pray with or for each other, right? right? Um, of course, the, the 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 ground level is is mass together, right? Um, and so worship together, right? Be at mass together, hold each other accountable at mass together. Mm. Um, and again, obviously schedules are gonna be different, especially if there's kids and you have to go to this soccer game and you have to go to the dance recital, I, I get it, but but you're making mass a priority. I think one of the things that was blessed for us is that we, um, we would, uh, um, on the way from mass to breakfast, and we went to breakfast after the older kids were out of the house, and I guess my parents had more money and could tolerate fewer kids at the table. Um, my dad started saying that you know he, he took us to breakfast not because he was taking us, because he wanted to treat his bride to a day off without having to cook. Mm. And and so I remember hearing that that like my dad saw my mom as a bride, right? And and we weren't going to breakfast; we were tagging along with them as he took her to breakfast. Uh, and that was a very memorable thing for me. But at breakfast, my parents would talk about the homily. They would talk about the scriptures in a positive way, not, oh, my goodness, he doesn't shut, 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 shuts up, right? But that there was dialogue with them. My brother and I, sister, were sometimes involved, but 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 not always. Um, but, but, but that the mass became an important part of their life. I, I do think, and I, this is the value of Teams of Our Lady and Marriage Encounter, as couples learn to communicate with each other, they also learn to pray with each other. Right. And so and I often encourage couples, you know, at least once a week. Right. Share with each other what's in your heart. Pray out loud the prayers that you would be praying. You know, God bless this person. God help me a job with this. Pray it out loud so your your spouse knows what's on your heart and you can pray together. And I think everyone needs to figure that out together. Certainly there are couples praying the liturgy of the hours. There's a couple that pray the rosary together. Extemporaneous prayer, maybe a shared uh, faith uh, sharing around a scripture. You have to start somewhere, right? And it might just be at the beginning, you know, before we go to bed, we're going to make the sign of the cross on each other's forehead and ask God to bless you, or as you wow. go off to work in the morning. Yeah. But something where you are inviting the name of Christ, the power of Christ into your relationship. Yeah, wonderful. Let's go back to the phones now. Dan is calling in from Ohio. Dan, welcome to The Inner Life. Thanks for calling in. Yes, thank you for taking my call, and I apologize if you hear the lawnmower outside. We have some people mowing the grass around us. Um, it is the season. But, uh, it is, that's correct. Um, my wife and I have always been uh, committed to each other in that we decided very early on in our marriage that if we were having any kind of disagreement or any issue between us, we made sure that we kept it between us as opposed to going and talking about it with friends or coworkers, you know, people who are outside of our marriage and maybe not married themselves and not committed to each other the way we are. Um, and so we just decided that, you know, her friends are going to take her position. My friends are going to take my position. And all that does is create division between the couple. And so we decided very early on that we weren't going to do that. And that if we needed professional help, either through a from a priest or a licensed, uh, you know, counselor of some kind, we would get it if we needed it. But we definitely were not going to um, 
go talk to any of our friends or coworkers about any issues that were happening uh, between us in our marriage. Great, great point. I always say that infidelity begins long before anyone gets naked. Uh, yeah. And because, because the workplaces are, are certainly not what they were in the generation of our parents, where men were working with men, women worked with women, it, it's something that couples need to be on guard with because a coworker hearing you complain about your spouse constantly may sow in them the idea that you're actually available or interested in, in something else. And so praise God for your wisdom and, and your faithfulness and praise God that you got someone else to cut your grass. <laughs> That's very good. I like it. Yeah, Dan, thank you for that. And I, Father, I remember very early on, I believe this was even before I was married, I received a bit of advice from a couple that I had looked up to as, as having a strong marriage. And they said something very similar. They said, yes, I never, I never talked down about my, my wife. This was the man talking to me. I never talked down about my wife. Uh, to anyone else outside the home. You know, if I have a problem with her, then I go to her. And and I think that that is such a powerful thing um, in in keeping a, a marriage together. And that's been something my wife and I have tried to follow as well. Talking about secrets of a good marriage today on the show, 888-914-9149. If you have a secret to share, let's, as I said before, let's uh, not make them so secret. Let's uh, share some good advice on, on making of a good marriage with our spiritual director, Father Chris Walsh from... St. Cecilia Catholic Church in Philadelphia. Let's go down to Paula calling in from Mount Zion, Illinois. Paula, welcome to The Inner Life. Hi. I just, I'm thinking commitment and prayer. Many times my husband and I would have very different opinions about things. And I had to really pray. And what I discovered was we had different thought process, different priorities, and I learned to just let go and what's important to him to just let that be. And there's a lot of times where it would be challenging, but it worked. Amen. I, I often joke with couples, but I'm not really joking. Uh, the spirituality of the movie Frozen. Let it go. Let it go. <laughs> right. Uh we don't have to comment on everything. We don't have to control everything. We don't have to agree on everything. You are two unique individuals. When I was first ordained back in 99, it was still popular uh, within the um, uh, the funeral or the wedding mass to have the unity candle, you know, and there was these two candles and then they lit the candle in the middle and then they blew out the two side candles. And I remember a priest making a comment because he took a lot of flack because he didn't allow the unity candle, which has sort of gone away. But uh, one of his things was it's just it's just such a bad image that the idea is somehow the individual is snuffed out mm -hmm. like that, that. We don't believe that, 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 that the woman is still a unique person and, and the man is still a unique person. You're not being formed and, and molded into one one being. And, and, and so, yeah, the ability to say, OK, yeah, we're not going to agree on that. Or, yeah, that's just a that, that's a habit he's going to have for, for probably the rest of his life. And I'm going to become a saint by, by letting go of it. Hmm. Very good. Very good uh, advice there, Paula. Appreciate the call. And and yeah, speaking of that, uh, just kind of getting to know the different languages, the uniqueness of the other individual. How about these love languages, so-called love languages, Father, in I guess understanding more about how your spouse gives and receives love. Where would you, is that a is that an important thing to pay attention to? 
I, I absolutely love it. Again, because of that thing I just mentioned, which is the, the, the uniqueness of, of each person. You know, there's the book, the five languages, five, five love languages, um, and, and they're acts of service, uh, receiving gifts, um, quality time, words of affirmation, and physical touch. The premise, the author of the book was a marriage counselor, and he said he would give advice to couples, and sometimes it worked and sometimes he didn't. And he wanted to figure out why. And he began noticing that there were different ways of showing love to someone. For some people, it was, you know what, I'm going to get your uh, car detailed. Or, I know you don't want to fold the laundry today, so I'm going to fold the laundry. That act of service said, ah, I love you. For another, it was a gift, not necessarily an expensive gift, but hey, you know, we, they had donuts at work today, and, and boy, I, I know you love cream donuts, so I, I brought this home. I didn't have one. I brought it from you. Wow, beautiful. Quality time. You know what? My schedule is clear. I'm here for you. What do you want to do? You just want to sit and watch me. Great. Words of affirmation, right? Some people need to be told, I love you. You're beautiful. You're precious. Other people, it, it, they like it, but it's, it's not essential. And then physical touch. And we all have a very different um, need for how much, uh, you know, physicality. And so the, the, the book, Five Love Languages, and there's online assessments where you figure out what your love language is. And I've just watched couples like the light bulb goes on that, oh, that's why he likes that. Oh, that's why she appreciates that. See, oftentimes we're, we're doing the golden rule. Do unto others the way they uh, that you would want them to do to you. Mm-hmm. Well, that's selfish. That's selfish. <laughs> just, because, just because I like anchovy pizza doesn't mean you like anchovy pizza, Patrick. <laughs> right? No, if I love you truly, the platinum rule, do unto others the way they want to be done to. Right? Okay, Patrick, you like the Hawaiian pizza with pineapple and ham. I think it's disgusting, but it's what you love, so I'm going to give that to you. I'm going to give that to you. So the platinum rule, do to others the way they want to Love the person the way that they're wired to be loved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're getting into controversial topics here when we talk about pizza toppings, Father, so I'm going to steer us out of that. <laughs> but, uh, no, that's exactly, but it's exactly right. And one of the things that I, I think I have noticed, too, is that um, you also have to be attentive to when your spouse is doing something that you don't, you know, you don't receive as love, but, but that's their way of giving love or showing love. Right. You, you do need to be a, pay attention to say that, yes. hey, you know what, so sh- my wife did the laundry today. Yeah, okay, so I'll do it next week or whatever. But no, my wife did it specifically out of love and um, being able to be grateful for that and to express that, to say thank you for expressing love in that way. That's, that's something that occurred in my, uh, that's occurred in my experience as well. Yeah. We're, ta- we're talking about uh, secrets of a good marriage here on The Inner Life, and we are taking your calls if you have ways to, that you would like to share about how, how you have seen, what elements that you've seen to make a good marriage, give us a call, 888-914-9149. Next up is Christina calling in from San Diego. So Christina, welcome to the show. Good morning. Good morning, um, Christina. So, <laughs> so first off, I would just like to say that I am a psychiatrist, and so I actually have to turn off the way that I communicate at work when I go home because otherwise my husband thinks that I'm treating him like a patient. Um, so that was number one is you don't always want to talk to your spouse the way that you talk to people at work. It all depends on what you do. Um, but my husband and I, we've been married for six years and we have two beautiful children. Um, we've had, you know, the minor communication hiccups. Um, one thing that I learned from a priest that has been very near and dear to us, um, 
in our marriage and, and in our uh, faith journey is he, um, he instructed us to every single night say in our father together, last thing before going to bed and to really meditate on the words of the, our father and um, where we are acknowledging that we have trespassed against each other and that we are also truly forgiving each other for all of those trespasses. And, and that way we start every single day fresh and we, and, and so the, the slate is wiped clean. We do our absolute best not to bring up any sort of grudge, like, Hey, I've been keeping tally of this, 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 and this thing that you just keep doing over and over and over again, because we are saying that we're not holding on to that. We are forgiving each other. We, we are growing and we are really trying to practice God's perfect forgiveness. Um, and my, my husband, he is extremely words of affirmation and I'm just not. And so you guys talking about the five love languages right before this is, is super key because I would come home and I would, be still sort of stewing over whatever I had on at work. Um, and I might miss, uh, being able to immediately say, Oh my goodness, honey, like the kitchen is immaculately clean. Everything's, everything's clean. Um, I'd still be kind of like decompressing from the day and he would get really upset that I wouldn't immediately acknowledge that it was clean. And I'm like, I, I recognized it and it's beautiful. Can you give me maybe, a couple hours and, and I will eventually acknowledge it to you and give you those words of affirmation, but I might not be able to give them immediately. And I've been working really hard on being able to do that sooner and sooner and sooner. And one of the other uh, chaplains that I work closely with um, said, you know, gave advice of like, I don't go so far as having a sticky note that says like, get in the driveway, you are at home. This is your family. This is, you know, you, you have to brush everything off before you walk in that door and put that smile back on because your family is more important than your occupation. Hmm. Um, and so those are just a few things that um, more from like my side, um, because I do work in a very stressful job. And if I don't practice these things every single day, then I'm just going to end up making my family miserable. Yeah. Yes. Well said and well done. You know, particularly I, uh, grateful for that priest's advice. I'm definitely going to, to borrow that. I don't steal, but I borrow. Um, <laughs> you know, that praying the Our Father very intentionally and the grace to forgive. I can imagine a couple holding hands, and when they get to that part, maybe the hand's getting squeezed, <laughs> you know, a, a little bit. Um, but, right, that dependence on God's grace. And so praise God. And, and you're right. I think you're in a unique position, uh, you know, coming from a therapy background. Uh, I have my, my, my family sometimes says to me, you know, can you stop being the priest and just listen to us? Um, you know, and it's not so much my priest, but my personality is often focused on trying to fix things. And so sometimes I don't always just, just listen. And, 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 and so I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, I can always adjust to that. But, but praise God for that feedback. Yeah. Thank you, Christina. Thank you for the call. Great tips in there. And we're talking about tips and advice on secrets of making a good marriage. 
If you have something you'd like to share, 888-914-9149 is our phone number, 888-914-9149. We need to take another short break here, but we have more to come with the show. Still more secrets. Of course there are more secrets. There's always ways to make our marriages better, and that's what we're exploring today here on The Inner Life. Stay with us. We'll be back right after this. Our sponsor, the University of Dallas, invites you to check out The Quest, a five-episode video series on discovering our purpose and living it with courage. Start watching The Quest for free at relevantradio.com slash quest. Go into the chapel and we're gonna get married. Go into the chapel and we're gonna get Radio. My name is Patrick Conley. My thanks to Nick Centovich, our producer, and Thomas Angus are taking your phone calls and to our spiritual director, Father Chris Walsh, pastor of St. Cecilia Church in Philadelphia. As we're talking about secrets of a good marriage and trying to expose those secrets and share them with others so your marriage can be as the best it possibly can be uh, in, in for, for whatever the, everything that God has given us, such as uh, marriage is such a great gift and grateful for all of the different ways in which God blesses us. And one of the ways that God, of course, blesses so, so many marriages, of course, Father, is with children. And so how about um, making your marriage great when it comes to raising children together? Because, you know, differences of opinion can come up. Uh, you know, when should they, what kind of screen time should they have? Where should they go to school? Uh, when should they get cell phones? Can they date in high school? When can girls wear makeup? You know, all these different things. There's differences of opinion, and you're navigating these things. So any, I guess, general advice or secrets about how to how to uh, remain in a good marriage while raising children? Yeah, I, one of the things I I've, I've very much enjoyed is uh, I use an inventory called uh, FOCUS, which is a premarital assessment to sort of raise lots of issues and and one of the things is the family of origin and so you spend a lot of time talking about what was the the, the bride to be or the groom to be's experience growing up and one of the things it talks about is how did your parents resolve conflict and and it often leads to a very very fascinating and, and powerful conversation but i especially love when when people will say i think it's a very mature answer i know that my parents disagreed i assume that my parents fought but they didn't do it in front of us huh yeah. And, and, and I think that was very much my experience. I remember certainly as a teenager, late at night, hearing my parents downstairs having heated conversations about finances or about permissions with my older brothers and sisters. And, you know, the big thing in our house was everyone else was allowed to sleep over at people's houses, but we were not ever allowed to sleep out overnight. Um, but my sister was, you know, making a big deal about it. And my parents were going back and forth. They didn't do it in front of us. And they were civil to each other. But I do think there's something powerful about, you know, working things out before you go to your kids. I mean, kids are going to divide you. They're going to divide you. It's their, it's their nature, especially in their teenage years. And so if you can be as, as united as you can, uh, of course, the, just nowadays we have to say just the openness to the gift of children. When, when couples will say to me, you know, well, we're open to having two or three kids. I said, well, if my parents had that attitude, you wouldn't have a priest because I'm number five. Oh. You know, uh, you know, so that that 
again, going back to what we started talking about, faith, right? And Humanae Vitae, the document that we just remembered the anniversary of, right. the document itself says every couple needs to discern how many children, um, you know, is, is, is quote unquote right, but, but guarding against selfishness, guarding against materialism. But there does have to be a trust. I remember my mom telling my older brothers and sisters they got married. You can never afford to get married and you can never afford kids. So don't let that be your excuse. You know, don't yeah. let that be your excuse. Yeah. Um, and again, I think this is where couples, you know, all the other things we've already talked about, communications, prayer, faith witness, love languages, because your kids are going to have a love language too. And so mm. your, your time together before children is a way to practice this so that, you know, when it's put to the test under the pressure of kids, you're, you're going to have a better chance of uh, hitting on all cylinders. Mm. Yeah, very good. Uh, good thoughts, Father. Grateful for that. And uh, and as as with everything, like you said, I mean, it, it, a lot of it comes down to faith and communication, right? Keeping the lines of communication open vertically and horizontally within your marriage, uh, speaking with the Lord, speaking with your spouse about all these important issues, because it is uh, all these things are what make up our days, what make up our lives, and what make up our marriages as well. Let's go to Anne now, calling in from Chicago, Illinois. Anne, welcome to the program. I'm glad to be the second woman to call in. I thought maybe I'd take this in a little bit of a different direction. Um, I'm married almost 40 years, come next May. Um, and I just thought about the importance of the marital embrace, as I like to call it, um, in a relationship that, especially from a woman's standpoint, where your bodies go through lots of changes with having kids and getting older and health issues and things like that, that as a woman, it was very important to our marriage to be open to that intimacy in our relationship. Um, it even after all these years, it still continues to connect us and, you know, working through, like I said, changes and different seasons of your life and, and such. So I just thought I'd mention that, that I know that sometimes I've encountered in particular women who are like, oh, I don't feel like, you know, the marital embrace be polite but i think it's really really important and and praise god for your honesty and you know one of the, the some of the research that's out not religiously based but secular is that while we live in this over sexualized society uh couples are increasingly reporting very unhealthy and unsatisfactory uh responses regarding intimacy uh the love embrace uh within their marriage Pornography certainly has a part to play with that. Mm -hmm. um, sexual relationships prior to the marriage, which leads to comparing and uh, unhealthy fantasize, uh, fantasy life. Um, but also the resentment. And, and I do think, um, you know, people are physically exhausted. <laughs> people are physically exhausted. And, and there's so many factors that go into it. But it's one of those things where you have to pay attention to what is your, what is your baseline and when there's a drop off, you know, in intimacy, I remember meeting with a couple some years ago and, and, and I, I got into intimacy and I said, you know, how often are you intimate? And they both started laughing and they had not, you know, had sexual relations in years, mm. in years. And it had just, you know, a, a week led to a month and a month led to a year and a year led to years and neither knew how to approach the other and, and, and this kind of stuff. Um, you know, so it's, it's again, when, when, when you notice the problem, you need to talk about the problem. And again, explore wounds prior to entering into a marriage or when you become aware of them, 
you know, being very honest with each other about past wounds from, from unhealthy sexual relationships. Yeah, that's a good point, too. Lots of things to talk about, and we're down to our final couple minutes here, Father. I think one of the last questions I would ask you is that how do you know when you've reached the point where, you know, um, obviously listening to a program on Relevant Radio like The Inner Life is is hopefully of help, but um, some of the complications and challenges couples face can go far beyond this. So how when is it time to call in the pros, in other words, to uh, to go seek out professional therapy or counseling? Yeah, I, I think for those of us in the, in the church world and the Catholic world, I think something like a marriage encounter weekend or maybe a retrovi weekend, which is another great resources for maybe couples whose marriages are in a little more unhealthy uh, place. You might have to travel to get there, but come on, you travel for all sorts of other things. I think starting there, um, you know, it's always good to start with the lowest common denominator, right? So, um, or the lowest intervention. So start there with a, a marriage encounter weekend or a Cana weekend, or maybe getting involved with the teams of Our Lady. And if those basic skills and that basic intentionality is not bringing uh, healing because of deeper resentment, or maybe on one person or the other side's deeper depression or anxiety, um, then then it's time to sort of ramp it up. But I think you can start with the lowest, getting involved with a parish-based program, uh, regional program, diocesan program, you know, and if, wow, this is really not working, th- then maybe it's time to, to go to the next level. Yeah. And I, uh, I imagine that, well, with these programs, of course, they're faith-based, Catholic-based and that sort of thing. But in seeking out a therapist and a counselor too, if faith is the most important thing, I can imagine that we want to be looking for Catholic counselors in as much as possible. Yeah. Or, or at least I, I always say the, the goal is to find a good counselor because a yeah. good counselor is going to, going to respect your religion. Just because someone says, oh, I'm a Catholic counselor doesn't mean they're a good counselor. Yeah. Right. And so good a point. good counselor is someone who's going to respect the religion of the person and try to work within that. And so I, I think it's worthwhile, though, to ask a counselor ahead of time, what is your perspective on religion? We are religious people. Will that be a, a, a help or a hindrance in your therapy? Mm-hmm. Very good. Well, many things that we could have covered but just didn't have time to, and many phone calls that came in that we weren't able to get to either. So my apologies there. But uh, for the hour that we have, I think we made some pretty good pretty good uh, progress there in sharing secrets of a good marriage with our spiritual director, Father Chris Walsh. And we are just wrapping up the show now. So, Father, as always, as we wrap up the show, we always like to ask for a blessing. So if you would, please. Through the intercession of St. Edith Stein and through the intercession of Mary and Joseph, the holy couple, may Almighty God bless you, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Father Chris Walsh has been our spiritual director. And as always, if you know somebody who could benefit from hearing our conversation today, you can go to relevantradio.com slash innerlife where you can access the show and share it with others. And uh, also look for us in uh, in the uh, audio podcast place and the relevant radio app as well. Coming up next is the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. Always a good thing to do as a couple in person if if possible, but uh, certainly over relevant radio is a good way to do it as well with our celebrant father Rich Getchell today. Tomorrow here on the program, we're going to be talking about taking care of all the God-given resources that God has given us by embracing the topic of stewardship with our spiritual director, Father Brian O'Brien. Until then, grace and peace.